Amen. Good morning. Oh, is that loud? You guys hear me? Do I feel loud? Everything's good. I was saying earlier, I hate the sound of my voice. And uh, I was jokingly saying, I said, I don't think anyone likes the sound of their voice. And James goes, oh, no, there are people who do like the sound of their voice. Um, And that is true. There are some people, I guess, who do love the sound of their voice. I am not one of those people. Um, But glad you're here. Glad you're joining us sitting in front of me, to the side of me, wherever, or online, sitting from your couch, your bed, wherever you're sitting in. Um, I'm glad you joined us this morning. It's good for me to be back here. I was out for a couple weeks. I was in a friend's wedding. I traveled, and then I had to do some quarantine. Um, in quarantine, I don't know if you know this, we all kind of did it for a while. Time and days do not exist. Um, did anyone else kind of experience that? And when we started in March, like it just kind of, it is. Like time and life is. It exists. And so it was just such a weird time. And um, did anyone say this in March, back in March when we started our first quarantine? Did anyone say, I'm going to use this time and I'm going to get in great shape? I'm going to be, I'm going to work out every day. Anyone do this? Yeah, don't lie. Come on. We all kind of did it. And um, I did this this past time. I went with some friends and I just ate a bunch of junk food and, and fried chicken and all this. And when I was coming back, I said, you know what? For two weeks, I'm going to diet. I'm going to do 100 push-ups a day. I'm going to be in great shape. I told myself I was going to do all this stuff um, very well knowing that I was not going to do any of it. Um, I did the opposite. I came back. I laid around. Um, ate pizza and ice cream because, um, like, that's all you want when, like, time and days don't exist, I guess. Um, and I did no form of working out. I, I went outside on our balcony, I think, twice. Um, that kind of counts, right? Like, I got some fresh air. Um, that's healthy. Um, so I'm glad I'm out of that and um, not trapped in my own lies in, in, in that. So just know if you made those promises to yourself in March, you're not alone. Um, mine are still waiting to be accomplished, too. So maybe maybe we can do them now. Maybe we can do them now as we're still in kind of a different phase. So anyway, like I said, glad to be back. It was, um, I really did miss you guys. I was watching online, and I was like, man, I wish I could just be there. You guys sounded like you were having such a good time here, and I was on my couch by myself. So glad we're here. Um, today we're continuing in our sermon series, Basics. If you've been here the past two weeks or you've been watching online, we start a new series titled Basics with the idea that our beliefs about God and his creation will determine the way that we live. So that's kind of what we want to do in this is dive down deep into the things that we believe and really unpack and understand them. These fundamental truths, these, these things, and we want to make them basic and understandable and building blocks because it determines the way we live. So today's topic is about salvation. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, I already know this already, so you're going to check out. Hey, guess what? Don't do that, please, because that makes it not fun for me up here and uh, probably not a fun experience for you there either. So as we continue in this message on salvation, this requires a little bit of response from you. Whether you are online, when I say something that maybe you agree with, you can comment and say, oh, yeah, amen, or you can write the word out and people can like it, or in the room, it's crazy. You can even say amen. Did you know that? That you could respond and be like, oh, good, yeah, amen, hallelujah. And we can respond to truth when we hear it. Um, So that'll make it a more enjoyable morning for me and you, I hope. So let's not check out and um, really unpack what the Lord has for us today. So today I want us to understand that our salvation allows us to know who we are in Jesus and allows us to live confidently in Him. So it is crucial for us to really unpack this, this belief and it be basic, be our basics. 
for our main points I want us to look for in the sermon today. I'm going to give them to you now, and you can be looking for them as we go. The main points are our salvation is only through Jesus. So when we read scripture and you see it, you can say, oh, you said that earlier, I got you. And then our second point is your record of debt has been paid in full. So be looking for those as we continue in the message and as we unpack this scripture we're going to be reading in. They're going to come back up. So you have them. Be looking for them. It's like a word hunt. Be looking for it. Be, be ready to say, oh, I know that. You said that earlier. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 3 today, particularly verses 21 through 28. If you have a Bible, you can turn there now. If you're online, you can turn there as well. If you have a phone, you want to open it on, you can, you can do that as well. It'll also be on the screen here conveniently conveniently, did I say that right? Conveniently, yeah. So it'll be here at your viewing pleasure, we'll say that. So you can also read the scripture up there. Um, And I'm reading from the New Living Translation in case anyone has that question. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read these verses, these seven verses, um, really quickly, and then we're going to unpack them together. Sound good? All right, hey, you guys got it over here. Some response, there we go. So here we go. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28, says this, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we then boast that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we we read your scripture, your word, we truly believe that you can and will speak through it, that your words will be made known today, that you will soften our hearts for your truth. We pray that your spirit falls on these words and into our ears, into our hearts, God, and we would wrestle with them and accept them and be confident in who we are in you today, Lord. Would you unpack this scripture for us as we study it? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to take it pretty much a verse at a time. And we're going to look at how this is crucial for our understanding of what and how our salvation comes to be. So we'll start in verse 21. It says simply, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and prophets long ago. So before Jesus, there were these set of laws, these commandments that if you kept them, you would be righteous. Like you would be made right. You were right. You obeyed all the laws to this letter. You did everything right and you were holy. You were set apart. You did it all right. And that's the ideal. That was what set up for us. That's how we could be made righteous. That's how we would be right if we obeyed all of the law. If you're human like me, you know that we did not keep the law and I do not keep the law. And, um, So there had to be a covering for this sin. So in the past, there was this law. They couldn't uphold it. And when they broke the law and sinned, 
they had to have a covering. There had to be a sacrifice made, something to cover their past faults, their transgressions, so that God could look over it and a payment would be made. All of this looking forward to that there had to be a greater payment for all of our sins because we could not keep the law that God had laid out for us. And there was a promise made to these people back in these times in the Old Testament, and that promise was Jesus, a promise to fulfill the law and set us free from it. So Paul's making a reference here that, but now God has shown us a way to be made right without keeping the law. It's not by obeying every letter of the law that we are made holy. And that's, that means a lot to these people at this time because these, these Jewish people were sitting there and they're like, well, I do everything right. I do all this right and I'm going to be good. Paul says, no, you don't because God promised to send someone who could truly fulfill the law. And it's not you, I promise. It's not you. So he starts there and he said, there, there was a promise made and that's how we're made right now. And he goes down in verse 22. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. At this time, in the church and in the people, there's a big division between Jews and Gentiles and who thinks they're worthy for God's word and his salvation, who's not. And Paul says, because it is through faith, because God makes us right by faith in Jesus, is for everybody. It is not just for those who think they're special, but it's for everyone in this room. We are made right by faith in Jesus only. It is for all people, no matter who we are. And through faith in Jesus Christ. This is, this is cool. So I, I read this, this this week, and it really kind of used these words to kind of highlight um, a lot of times how I represent my faith and how I kind of think of my faith earns the salvation. It says this. It says, the righteousness of God is not ours by faith. It is ours through faith. We do not earn righteousness by our faith. We receive righteousness. We are made right through faith in Jesus Christ. And for me, that was like very kind of world changing for me in a sense of a lot of times I view, I'm like, okay, if I have good enough faith, if it's strong enough, then I will earn, I'll have my salvation. And I'm not thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm not earning it. It's still faith. But in my mind, I'm earning my salvation by the faith I have instead of receiving the righteousness that Christ has given me through him. It's not that I've earned it by my good faith, but I receive it by faith through what Jesus has done. I read this really good quote from this famous guy who I didn't know until I had James look him up for me. Um, it says, through faith points to the fact that faith is not a merit. It's not earning salvation. It is no more than the means through which the gift is given. And the, I mean, I read that. I was like, I got to quote this guy. I don't know who he is, but I got to quote him. That was awesome. Like, it's not how you earn it. It's not your merit. It's not by the good things you've done. Your faith is so good. It's, it's the avenue which God said, here is faith. Like you have faith. Here is this salvation for you. It is how I distribute it to you. So we read that and we say, okay, well, well why do I need to be made right with God? You know, I, I kind of feel good myself. I kind of do my own thing and I'm kind of a good person. You know, I give to people. You know, I have some change in my pocket. I give to people on the street. I'm nice. Uh, you know, for the most part, people like me. Why do I really need to be made right with God? And I know that the people Paul is writing to have that question. They're kind of like, well, I keep the law pretty fine. I do it myself. Why do I need this righteousness? And then he drops this bomb. That is verse 23. And if you're a sinner like me, this is a bomb. All right. It says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So there's this, this standard that God has that is holy and set apart and righteous and without any flaw or sin. 
And that's terrifying because I don't measure up to that whatsoever. I stand here and I'm like, I have this flaw, this sin. I'm not very gracious at all. If you know me, that's something I struggle with. And so like he, he writes this to these people. He's like, hey, I know you think you're keeping the law well, but this is God's glorious standard and you've fallen from it. So if we've all sinned, there is this gap between us and God. Like, we're below the floor. We're on the basement level of share the warmth here, and he's far above this building here. I mean, the separation between us because of our sin is vast, and we fall short of God's righteousness. We could not keep the law. So we can never truly measure up. And I had this great imagery when I was thinking about this. A lot of times you see kind of like the gap, and then the cross fits in the middle, I kind of picture things differently. So I pictured it as like, we're all the way down here and there's a separation that God's so, his standard is so much higher than what I could ever measure up to. And has anyone ever, like in elementary school or anything, like kids, if you're listening, and your school, have you ever had to build something out of pipe cleaners? Has anyone ever had to do that? So in elementary school, every year, I remember this, we would always have, you have to build, and here's a picture of pipe cleaners. I'm going to show you if you don't know. You had to build a tower, and it was a competition. Whoever could build it as fast as they could and as tall as they could, the tallest person's won every time. And, like, you see this one, like, bending. Like, that's about as, as tall as you got before it started bending over again. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to win. And then you have the strategy of just building, like, straight up and seeing if that would work. But time and time again, everyone's kind of starts to bend over. And I started to view that as how I try to measure up to the Lord with my works. I said, there's this huge gap that separates us. His righteousness is up here, and I've fallen so short. And I try to build up to him with my works, with my pipe cleaners. Like Paul calls them, like, my my works are dirty rags. He's like, I'm trying to build up to God with my pipe cleaners and be like, look, I'm measuring up to you. I'm reaching to you, but I get to a certain point, and it starts to bend. I don't know if you guys are there with me, but you've tried to earn it by your works, and you get to this point, and you're like, I can't do it anymore. I'm so tired. And then we collapse on ourselves, and we fall back down to this low, low standard we have, and we say, I just I can't do this anymore. My works are pipe cleaners. I'm building with garbage. I can't do this. We fall short of God's standard. And when we try to measure up to it on our own, it's like building with pipe cleaners, and it's going to fall apart, and we're going to fall apart on ourselves. So what are we supposed to do with this gap? How are we supposed to bridge it? How are we supposed to reach his standard? Right after that, verse 24, he drops this bomb in 23, and then in verse 24, this hope. Yet God and his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He brings me up to his righteousness. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Other translations read here that we have been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And the imagery here is so powerful. Justification is an image from the court of law. At the time, this was a big thing, and everyone knew these terms, and now we're a little more removed from it. But we still understand, like, if anyone watched, like, Judge Judy or anything like that, we kind of have an understanding of, like, there's a judge and a gavel and whatever. But this term justification is the idea that people would be on trial, so they're being judged for something they did, and they need something to justify their actions, and they need something to make their actions right or just, and they need something to cover it. They've done wrong, and they need something to cover it, to excuse them of it, or to pay for it, and they would be justified by the judge. He would say, you're justified. You're not guilty. It's been paid for. So this is the image of us before the righteous judge on trial, for our wrongdoings, for not being able to measure up to his standard. 
So how are we ever supposed to justify? How are we supposed to make right our wrongdoings? And there's no way we could. So the word justification in the term here, it solves the problem of our guilt before a righteous judge. And it's so important to understand that we are justified freely by his grace. Listen to that word, freely. Being in such a sinful state, the only way that we can be justified, made right, is to be justified freely. We cannot purchase it with our good works. If it wasn't made free to us, we couldn't have it at all. So we are justified freely by his grace. His favor is given to us without regard of what we deserve. It is a giving motivated purely by the giver and motivated by nothing, nothing by the one who receives. I did some studying this week. If you know me, I'm not like the biggest theologian. I'm learning as I go. I'm still young. And I did some Greek word study, so I felt kind of smart this week. Um, I learned that the word here used when it describes that it was been given freely. I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but maybe no one knows. It's, it's a Greek word, Dorian, whatever, if that's wrong. It's called Dorian, all right? So it means freely or undeservingly. And the, one of the uses in the New Testament that this word Dorian is used really like set this imagery in my mind of how undeserving we are of it. So in John 15, 25, Jesus says this. He says, they hated me without a cause. And the word he uses there is they hated me, Dorian. With, I did not deserve it. Like, that makes sense. Like, no, Jesus deserves no one's hate. By no means should he ever receive hate from anyone. And the same Greek word there is used for us. Just as he was undeserving of the hate There's nothing in us that deserves his justification. It is freely. That's beautiful. It takes the weight off your shoulders, right? Like I hear that word. It's like, okay, well, Jesus, like that makes sense. He didn't deserve any of the hate. And then Jesus says, you don't deserve any of the grace I give you. Doesn't that sound nice? It's given to you freely. And you're like, I can breathe again. Oh, man, you you dropped that one before me, verse 23, and I was like, man, I've fallen short of your standard. What am I supposed to do? And he says, you receive it, Dorian, free. It's to you. He's freed us from the penalty of our sins. That's a harsh word. It says, Sam translations use the word redemption. Redemption is such a beautiful word. It's the act of buying someone and setting them free. So it's this term that was used in slavery at the time that someone would be owned and a slave to something, and the person would come in and pay for the person and say, you are free, you are redeemed. That is beautiful. It's the idea that God has, he has purchased us and set us free. But this is a big thing I want us to realize God pays the cost so we can be justified freely. We cannot forget that there must be a payment made. It's so easy for us to hear that, I've been justified freely. Hooray, everything's easy. We cannot forget that our righteousness and our covering was bought at such, such a high, high cost. And as I was speaking with James this week about this sermon, he shared this illustration with me that, he had heard someone else make on this imagery of the cost. So today, we'll take an example today. If you went home and someone had just driven their car 
straight through your apartment. And we'll say, I'm on the third floor. We'll say they hit like a ramp and boosted through completely your entire apartment and just destroyed almost everything. You would walk in and you'd be like, well, my Sunday's ruined. This is terrible. Like, what am I supposed to do? And so you can do two things. You can say, all right, well, you ran your car through my apartment. You should pay for it. This is ridiculous. All my stuff is destroyed. You should pay for a new stove. You know, I kind of wanted some new appliances anyway, so you're going to pay for everything. And that would make sense because they did the wrong. Or you could do this. You could say, no, don't worry about it. You know, I'm, I'm going to take it on. I'll, I'll pay for every bit of it. And you did everything wrong, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it on. And if you take on the cost, it costs the wrongdoer. It costs the person nothing. They walk away free, and their day is not changed by it. They don't have to pay for anything. They did the wrong, and they are free of the cost, but you still took the cost for their wrongdoing. So they are set free by the cost, but you, you take it on, and it's a, that's probably a big cost. Just like that in our story, there is a huge cost to be paid. We have wrecked this image of God like, like James preached last week. We were created his image, and we turned from him, and we just wrecked this standard that he had for us. And we destroyed it, and we messed it up. And he, we deserve for him to look at us and say, you will pay for this. You have messed everything up. But just like with a car, he looks at us and he says, no, you're free. I took the cost. I'll take it on. And this is the cost in verse 25. Said, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Jesus alone, by his death, by his blood, was, Scripture a lot of times says, was a propitiation. It was a substitute. It was a sacrifice and covering for us. He was judged in our place. Oh, that's a heavy statement. Like, just like the car, we deserve that judgment. It's like, man, that, that was mine. I earned that. But God demonstrates his righteousness and judgment against sin. While sparing those who deserve judgment. So God presented Jesus as a sacrifice to cover this payment. We are made right with God only by believing, only by believing that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood as a covering for our sins. That he took the payment, he took the wrath of God, and there was a great, great cost. And Jesus paid it by his blood on the cross, and it covers our sin. That's the only way that we have this freely given to us. We sit there and be like, why would God do this? Just like in the story with the car, I would never take the cost of someone wrecking into my apartment. Never. Why would God do this? Why would he take our place? Right after that, I mean, I'm, Paul's telling a great story here, guys. If you know anything, he's a great writer. So he's like illustrating this story with all these questions we could have leading after these verses. And then boom, answer right in verse 26. Why would God do this? It says, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. It's so cool how God's righteousness, justice, and love are all shown in this gospel story. 
His righteousness has shown that he being free of sin is set apart and holy and that there is a gap between us because we have chosen sin. So his righteousness is on display. His justice is shown in the need for payment for our sin that separates us from him. That is justice. True justice is there must be a payment for wrong. That is justice. So his righteousness and justice are on display in these acts. And his love and mercy is shown in him sending Jesus to be the payment for our deserved judgment. He is not only the one who passes the righteous judgment, but he is the one who covers our debt and frees us from the payment of sin. That's incredible. He says, I'm going to take care of all of it. I will be the righteous judge, and then I will send the payment to cover it for you. That's amazing. I could never, never think of that or display that or be anything of that magnitude. We stand before a righteous judge, and just like we see in like those courtrooms, those scenes that I have, we stand before him, and he should bang. You know that hammer that they have? I think it's called a gavel. He should bang it and say, guilty. We stand before him, and he should, ah, guilty. That's what I picture, you know, just like, not Judge Judy, whatever, but just like someone like, guilty. We stand before him, and he should pass the sentence that we deserve, life and death. But in his righteousness and justice and love, he took the sentence and he covered it with Jesus. And then now he bangs this gavel and he says, not guilty. We stand there free. A lot of times we can get confident in that and be like, oh, yeah, I earned this. I deserve this. If we get off free from something, you know, I had friends who would get out of tickets. One of my friends, Pat, he has this amazing way of talking himself out of tickets. He's been pulled over like seven times for speeding and never got a ticket. I don't know. And he would always brag about it. But in this sentence and us avoiding this judgment in this sentence, there's no room for bragging. In verse 27, it straight up says, no. We have done nothing to be accepted by God because our acquittal is based not on obeying the law. It's based on faith only. And the word acquittal here is just like, it's another word for being like cleared of a charge or offense. It's like being covered and free. You're cleared of, of this judgment. We deserve none of it. We are made right only by faith in Jesus, not our works. And this is why this is like so hard for us to understand. Like, we, we get it, and we say, yeah, 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 I understand. But truly, we struggle with being justified freely by his grace. And this is why. Because grace absolutely refuses to recognize our imagined merits and gives us no place and pride whatsoever. We so much as humans want to stand before God and be like, I earned this. I did it. Look at all my, look at all my accomplishments I did for you. I read the Bible. I pray, which are good things. And, and I do these and look, I've earned these merits, but it's so hard for us to understand this justification freely because it has nothing to do with your merits. It has nothing to do with what you earn. And in that there is complete freedom in Jesus Christ. You don't have to build with pipe cleaners to God anymore. He has already built the way up for you, and it's in the rock of Jesus Christ. That's confidence, church. It's not in our works. And then through that, he does works in our hearts, in our lives. And we want to study. We want to read. We want to be with him because of the grace he has freely given us. 
I think verse 28 sums it so well in that little, that little part. It says, just simply, we are made right by Jesus only. Our salvation is only through Jesus. So we can hear this. And we say, oh, okay, that's good, that's good. What are we supposed to do? What now? What does this mean for our lives now? There's this really awesome illustration in Scripture. This, like, when someone explained this to me and I read this, like, it completely changed my view of how this justification and being set free means. It's in Colossians. So you can turn there if you want. It'll be on the screen. It's in Colossians chapter 2. I'm telling you, this is, this is about to be some truth right here. Are you guys ready for it? No one's ready? I'm not going to share it if you're not ready. You guys ready for this truth? All right, let's go. Come on, church. All right. So it's in Colossians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 specifically. It says this, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Guys, this is about to get real for you. Our record of debt has been paid in full. I want us to pay attention to that part right there. So the record of debt, the record of charges here mentioned in Scripture is a legal document of the Roman Empire that signified an obligation that must be paid. If someone was guilty of a crime, this record of debt would be prepared and the document would be written up of all of our things we've done, all of the person, what they did wrong, and how much it would cost for them to be free. And it would be nailed on their jail cell. And it would say, they did this, they did this, 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 this. This is how much they have to pay to be free or they could serve this sentence and then they'll be free. And when they serve the sentence or paid it, it would be stamped, it is finished, paid in full. Ooh, I'm telling you, this is a powerful illustration. This is where we stand today. We have a huge, I don't know about you, I'm going to speak for myself, I don't know about you, but I have a huge record of debt that was, that was nailed above my jail cell. I said, all of these things that I have done wrong, all of these ways that I have not measured up to Christ, I have not met his standard, and it had this vast payment that I could never make, and a sentence that was eternal punishment. That's where I earned that's what was nailed on top of my jail cell. And this is what Scripture says. Jesus paid it on the cross. He took your record of debt, he snatched it from your jail cell, and he nailed it to the cross. And on the cross, he yelled, it is finished. It is paid in full. Your jail cell, the door has been flung open. Your debt has been paid completely. You are free. You are free from slavery of sin. You are free from your past. You are free and new in Jesus Christ today if you put your faith in him. You are free from the weight of your sin. Jesus has carried it to the cross and nailed your charges, your record of offenses to it, and he hung there, and by his blood, he says, it is finished. Hallelujah, church, come on. That's some fire. That's some. That's some undeserved truth right there. I mean, the fact that I I could he could leave me to rot in this jail cell. I deserve it. 
I deserve to sit there with my record there that I keep adding to day by day. I add to it. And the, and the expense goes higher and higher. And I sit there. I could be a slave to that. But the beauty, oh, the wonderful beauty and the salvation, that he has snatched it. He hung it on the cross. And by his blood, he looks at you and says, it is finished. Paid in full. Oh, hallelujah, come on. Ooh. As we kind of close and, and the band can make their way here, if this is new to you, I promise this is for you today. If you're online and this is new to you, if you're in this room and this free gospel is new to you, I promise it is for you today and it is just as free for you today as it is for me. Because it is for every person. And he'll take your record of debt and he'll nail it to the cross. And he says, it is finished. Church, if you're here today and you have put your faith in Jesus, you have, you have believed that his blood covers our record of wrong, that we have been set free, freely justified by his grace, you got to live it today. Stop building terrible terrible pipe cleaner structures to work your way up to God. You don't have to do that. You have been set free in Jesus Christ. He has hung it to the cross and said, paid in full. It is finished. As you are free from that burden of trying to measure up to God's standard. He has brought you up to him and says, you are my child. You are righteous. And in his righteousness, he does works in your lives, family. It's not about trying to earn the salvation. That's not why, we, why works happen. Works happen because we have been saved by grace. And there's no other response we could have but to worship and praise him, to want to serve him. And church, that has to come when we freely know freely that we are justified. You do not earn it. You do not have to earn it. Stop trying to measure up. Walk away today going, that's off my back. I don't have to carry that anymore. I'm not carrying that burden. You can lay it at Jesus today. We're about to sing a song today. And I asked, I asked James if we could sing this song because I was, I was writing this sermon as I felt the Lord was speaking to me. I heard this song over and over and over again playing in my head. My debt being paid, it is paid in full. So as we sing this, I want you to just rest, church. We often think of how much we have to do and be and measure up. But today, family, I want you to rest. You can rest in Jesus freely. Your debt is paid in full. Come on, let's worship him as we do this. Just rest in his promise. You're justified freely.